You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It is the sixth round. Let's try this again. We're at pick 217 this time, as the Bears did trade away pick 208 to pick up 217. And then, Nick, it was pick 250, right? I don't have it in front of me. I should have wrote it down. Yeah, pick 250. So the Bears pick up a seventh rounder. Yep, six picks away from the the draft ending. So the Bears like to prolong things here. But, hey, they get an extra pick out of it. They do get an extra pick out of it. Another chance to roll the dice here in the 2021 NFL draft. Of course, I'm your host, Wittlewit, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We are here to break down what looks like three picks in 12, right? We're going to own three of the next 12 picks here. So we're going to roll through... Uh, pretty much the rest of the sixth round here and give you our instant reaction and analysis of the next three Chicago Bears picks. So, Mr. Moriano, I think you know the drill. As we wait for the Bears pick to come in, who do you hope it is at this stage or a group or just a position or just give me the lay of the land of where your headspace is at? Well, very similar to where it was at a couple of minutes ago here, Will, (laughs) but... Kate Johnson from South Dakota State is still there, so I wouldn't mind the Bears taking him there. But again, positional um, players like wide receiver and cornerbacks. I think Thomas Graham Jr., if I'm not mistaken, is still on the board. So I think that would also be a fit or someone that you can bring in for competition. Actually, oh, well, I put a percent sign somehow and, and when I was searching up people. Um, but whatever, I think that that would be something that you can be – I don't know, maybe excited about as a Bears fan with six round draft picks, right? So uh, wide receiver, cornerback, even if they took an inside linebacker would be something that I'd be, you know, looking to see here. Um, honestly, at this stage of the draft, Nick, I am keeping all options on the table and I'm not going to be picky. Uh, I know there's a Shakira Brown that I mentioned three times now, still sitting there, someone I liked, had in my mock draft. So that's something that I'd be okay with. And outside of that, I just want to see which players that we don't know anything about at this stage that Ryan Pace is going to throw our way. So excited to see how that's going to shake out. And it looks like the Bears are on the clock officially, officially, at least according to my draft tracker now. So we're just kind of waiting. Hmm. The waiting game is interesting at this point of the draft, and I feel like we've talked about everything that's happened so far, and we just have to be patient, uh, like we've mentioned so far. So patience for the Bears, who I see them finally on my TV, so things are starting to catch up. Yeah, starting to catch up, and I think just like in, thinking about like years past, like let's go back even just a year what the Bears kind of – last year they addressed their offensive line. Uh-oh, pick is in. Well, we just don't know yet. But last year they addressed their offensive line with 
those seventh round draft picks. That's kind of how they approached that. And it was in the fifth round where they went receiver, cornerback, and edge rusher. And if I'm not mistaken, would and with the sixth round, I don't know if they I'm trying to remember here. Bears. Well, you ready for it? Because I got it this time, Mister. It's my time to give you the draft pick. So with the 217th overall pick here in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Bears select Virginia Tech running back Khalil. Herbert. So the Chicago Bears are continuing to add to their backfield, which is a position I wasn't expecting them to address. But Nick, you and I were having an interesting talk here uh, just in the green room throughout the afternoon about maybe Tariq Cohen's role evolving a little bit more out of the backfield into a receiver. They already picked up another running back this in free agency to add to the backfield. And here they go again adding a new guy in Khalil Herbert. So there's another Khalil on the team. Uh, that's my first immediate takeaway and reaction to this pick. Yeah, and this is actually a guy that was at the Senior Bowl as well, and he did have some reps at kick returner. So I'm thinking what mm. the Bears are looking at in this pick is that not only can he maybe be someone that we can throw in the backfield every now and then, maybe, especially now, I don't think it's going to be early on. You have... Um, you have some guys already back there, but this is, I think, where he can make an immediate up, just a impact for this Bears team is in the kick returning game because right now that is wide open. You'd rather not put a guy like a Tariq Cohen there who's already coming off ACL surgery and things like that. He's already the punt returner. So I think this would be something that the Bears looked at. We can add somebody on special team. I'm trying to see also if he did do punt returning duty, just looking at uh, the beast, Dayton Brugler's beast uh, off the athletic um let's see offers kick return experience averaging 23.5 yards in his career excellent production as a senior okay so i don't know if he he did the punt returning but he definitely was a kick returner and like i said when i was at mobile alabama he was getting the reps there as a kick returner there so that's where i can definitely see him be somebody that can make an impact right away for the Bears if you know he does well in camp and kind of just shows that trust in this Bears coaching staff. Uh, apparently, he goes by Juice, and he says they call me Juice for a reason. He brings a little bit of that to the field. Last season, he had about 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns in the 10 games, and he was second in college football with uh, the yards that went for 50 or uh, rushes that went for 50 or more yards. And I know that. Uh, I think at his pro day, he put up some pretty good numbers as well. Uh, I'm seeing here, I'm trying to pull up the actual numbers, but uh, the article here on Gobbler Country, an SB Nation site, a Virginia Tech Hokies community. I uh, was just talking about how impressive his pro day was. But of course, we cover a team that we love. We know that sometimes a little bit of maybe bias creeps into some of those articles that are written by fans. So I'll be looking in this just a, a little bit more. But I do see he was the eighth ranked running back here on the beast uh so that's interesting to say in its own right there's a pretty decent uh synopsis here just talking about he had a lot of touches there over 500 touches throughout his career and he only fumbled once so ball security is something that he has in bunches and he averaged about 7.7 rushing yards per carry and 107.5 rushing yards per game last year and i'm just excited to see what else we can learn more about him? Did you see anything else that you want to mention here, Nick? Yeah, just real quick on what he was able to do in his final season there at you know Virginia Tech. Had, that's where he had his breakout season. And what I think, how, how this fits into what the Bears are doing, 
a lot of inside outside zone running schemes. So that's exactly what the Bears run with Matt Nagy and then also with Juan Castillo and what they want to do with their offensive line. So you, you see a guy like Khalil Herbert, how he fits. And that's like, again, that's going to factor into what the Bears want to do with these later round draft picks. So I see why it makes sense as a running back. But then I, I keep coming back to being the kick returner for this team. The Bears had one of the best in the game and the best ever to do it in Cordell Patterson. So you just want to have somebody that's going to at least compete to to win that spot as a kick returner, averaging, again, I, I believe I already said this at 23.5 yards in his career per kickoff return. He had 19 opportunities to do that, 446 yards, no touchdowns, but maybe he'll get an opportunity to you know, get one one of those touchdowns there with the Bears if he does win that job and is able to, you know, hold on to that spot. But, yeah, that's a – this is something that – look, this this draft, Will, um, I think – I don't know if I said on one of the podcasts, will the Bears draft a defensive player? And so far they are – you know, they, they knew they knew they had to put provide upgrades on the offense. They knew that coming in. And so far we've definitely seen the upgrades happen pick by pick. And now you're at providing depth with another offensive piece, another running back. Um, so it's uh, the Bears had a goal in mind. We need to get the offense a little bit closer to what our defense has done consistently over the years. These picks are, are starting to make that kind of happen. Maybe not right away, uh, but when you have a franchise quarterback, you have a right tackle now, you, uh, right tackle and left tackle. And now just another depth piece here. I could see why the Bears are kind of going this route when they know, hey, the defense, despite having some some holes on it, they they needed to upgrade the offense, and that's kind of been the direction of this Bears draft so far. So he's five foot nine. He is uh, two hundred ten pounds. The NFL player comp here on uh, the PFF uh, draft guide is Jay Ajayi. Uh, which that's an intriguing one as well. So if you're thinking about an NFL player that you can mold his game for after, uh, that'd be one to look into, uh, Bears fans. And on top of that, uh, the one that they really like about him, and from an intangible standpoint, uh, is his contact balance. They call it elite, and that is very much in line due to his low center of gravity. But they believe that uh, he was able at Virginia Tech uh, when he was in Kansas they didn't use him properly, but there at Virginia Tech, they were able to really kind of tap into his potential, and they just kept mentioning as well over and over again what I'm seeing is that he's just a kind of a player that's a big play waiting to happen. He's someone that he has, he can break tackles left and right and bust out some big gains. So for someone who's entering this backfield, uh, I know they, we brought in, who was that last year, the guy out of Oregon State? Uh, Pierce was his last name, right? Artavis Pierce. I think this mm-hmm. is an upgrade over him if you're looking at how this depth chart is shaking out and if you're looking at maybe four running backs on this roster week one, honestly, between Montgomery, Williams, Cohen, and now you're sitting here with Herbert. So that's uh, I think this is very intriguing, and I like the fact that that room, just like the offensive lineman room with the last pick, just gets a lot more crowded and a little bit more complicated, but that's a really good position to be in. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just seeing some of the highlights here and why the Bears were probably, you know, looking why they wanted to add this kind of player to the roster. The the cuts that he makes upfield, they're decisive ones. It's not like he's going left and east and west. It's let's make a cut, let's go upfield, and let's fight through and break a tackle and, and get as many yards as we can here. And 
So I, I like that about what I'm seeing just from the highlights of Herbert. Again, I haven't watched too much of him, especially given what the Bears already did in the offseason with Damian Williams. You didn't think maybe maybe the Bears were just going to leave this um, position alone in the draft, but obviously they, they thought, hey, we could still provide upgrades. I wonder if this means finally, and not to say this in a negative way, but for a guy like Ryan Nall, who has been making the roster for, you know, a, a while now, does this kind of mean the end for a guy like that? Obviously, he's a, mm-hmm. a special team contributor when he is a part of the 53 active roster. But now that you add another running back, you already signed Damian Williams in the offseason, which is going to be a clear fit given that he is with Kansas City. Where does it kind of end for Ryan Null or Nartivius Pierce, guys that are at the back end, obviously, of this running back depth? That's just maybe something to also consider now when you bring a guy in like this. Even though he's a six-round draft pick, again, no guarantees here, but you can see the upside and how he can also, like I was mentioning earlier, contribute on special teams. Very well. By the way, we're back on the clock here at 221, so I'll be keeping an eye for this next pick to come in while we wait i want to mention i found out that he had four runs that went 50 plus Mm -hmm. yards he did have one kickoff return that went for a touchdown it was called back so that's why you're not going to see it Mm -hmm. on the stat sheet but that's something else that you should know as well and he's someone that again he led uh the fbs in yards per carry 7.68 and he led the acc in all-purpose yards last year with 1700 and 91 yards again balance is the one that keeps coming as well as ability to be receiver out of the backfield and he's just someone that continues to churn out big numbers and the only knock i see him uh this one is his age he's a little older at 23 years old so he's a little older than uh, some of the other players that are coming out so bears are on the clock and i see that the pick is in all right, we are on a roll. We are on a roll. The pick is in, and we got wide receiver Daz Newsom here at pick 221. So, all right, well, offense okay. is rolling, dude. We are just throwing bodies at offense left and right. Let's learn more about Daz Newsom. One, he's got an interesting name that I, I again, Daz D A zz i don't even what school are we even looking at here from daz newsome north carolina i know a guy that came from north <laughs> carolina not too long ago um but yeah let's let's check it out here we got dane brugler's the beast from the athletic up see what we can find out about daz newsome 510 190 a guy that in 2020 again shortened season 54 receptions, 60, 684 yards, six touchdowns. Honorable mention, all ACC. Also had a rushing touchdown. <laughs> Just his 40 time. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. That, that four, five, seven? One. Yeah, it wasn't great. Oh. The, the one I'm I'm going through, and you do like Command F, you know, and you just like search yeah. through the list. The one above wasn't Daz, and it was a 429. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that is not Daz Newsome. He no, runs he is, a four five was, seven. Yeah, four five seven forty. Uh, I see a four five nine here on uh, the PFF grade, but yeah, not nearly the same speed uh, that I was thinking about there momentarily. But um, it looks like slot is his projection, though, uh, based off what I'm seeing. Uh, operates best in the slot. 
Uh, didn't really expand that role uh, throughout his time in college, so that's the knock on him. He's not someone that people are projecting can go out and play uh, outside receiver. Um, but he does have 18 deep catches over the past two seasons, uh, which is up there in the NCAA. And he is someone that is really good at breaking tackles, it looks like. He had over four, uh, 14 broken tackles or more in three straight seasons. So he's someone that, once he comes down with that catch, he is hard to take down. Yeah, and it looks like he was a running back in high school. So when you see the yards after the catch, the kind of mentality that he has when he has the ball in his hands, it's just that physical nature that he brings. So that makes sense as to why he's able to break tackles and get yards after the catch. When he transitioned to become that slot receiver in North Carolina, he was one of only five players at at UNC to reach 2,400 career receiving yards. So, again, a versatile threat. Like you said, Will has explosive play opportunities in him. So, and and this is this obviously makes sense for the Bears because of what they currently have at their slot receiver position in Anthony Miller and just the question marks that are kind of surrounding him at this point of his career, not being very stable or consistent, and especially being a sec- former second-round draft pick that the Bears had to go up and get, you need to create competition there. And now we, we talked about how Charles Leno Jr. probably felt with the guys th- with the tackles that the Bears already drafted. Now I wonder how he's kind of looking at this, if he's even, you know, looking at this at this point right now. But this is a it's a wide receiver uh, that obviously the Bears need to address that in that slot, that zebra role in Matt Nagy's offense. So, again, we were expecting a wide receiver at some point in this draft. Happened maybe a little later than we would have expected. But, again, it stays consistent with what the Bears are trying to do. Improve this offense, provide some depth on this offense, just to, again, make it a little bit more balanced on this team. It was very defensive heavy in terms of the strengths. Now we're trying to get the, the the offense to kind of match that a little bit more and adding another playmaker for Justin Fields to potentially use down the road. Yeah, we keep adding logs to the fire here. Uh, something I do want to mention, uh, just a couple of knocks that I've seen so far. Uh, they come with his route running. Uh, it's pretty well documented here as sloppy. Uh, and that needs to be continued to work on. He's not super deadly on double moves. He can be shifty, again, after he has the ball in his hands. But as a route runner, he needs to work in that regard. And then the other one, and it's a, it's, on, it's an unfortunate one for me, it's a history with drops. Uh, he had uh, 20 drops on 208 career catchable balls. Uh, so that's a drop on almost one out of every 10 uh, ball thrown his way uh, that was deemed as catchable. Uh, so watching for some of those drops will be something that we need to make sure that he can clean up and work through. Uh, but that's just something I wanted to make sure that we did mention here. I'm glad they went wide receiver, though. Obviously, I think throughout our mocks and a lot of Bears fans, a lot of people had him going receiver a little bit earlier in this draft. They didn't do that. Um, but I think they got an interesting guy here who can play in the slot, which is a position that I know we're all kind of looking. He's 5'10", 190. And I see here in the Beast, he has a fifth-round grade. PFF gave him a sixth-round grade, uh, about the 171st-graded prospect over there in PFF. So I still think there's a good value at 221, uh, but that's just kind of where things are falling there for Daz Newsom. Gotcha, and I'm just trying to find interesting little tidbits about mm-hmm. Newsom and kind of what, what what makes him tick and what he's like. He used to, um, when he was playing youth football, sleep in his jersey his football pants and high socks before games. And just because he was that kind of 
passionate about it and ready to go. Um, he wouldn't wear uh, everything. So everything but his shoulder pads and helmet, uh, Myron Newsom said of his son's preferred game Eve sleepwear. He'd get up, brush his teeth, and be ready to go. He wouldn't eat anything until after the game. And this is an article by Norm Wood on the – yeah, if you just look up, he slept in his uniform as a kid, now former Hampton high star Daz Newsom awaits his NFL dream. So that was a little – right from the very beginning of that article, you get to see how passionate and how much he loves the game. And, of course, all these guys are, are going to be, you know, could love the game, but just seeing that someone – is that eager to play? They sleep in their uniform right before game days. That's pretty interesting and cool. And he also is a punt returner uh, there at North Carolina. So we're adding another player, back-to-back players now that have returned experience. And I do want to mention a fun fact. He did have at least one reception in 41 straight games to close out his collegiate career. Uh, and I think 41 games is pretty well known. That's a, a good portion of it, uh, to say the least. But uh, Nick... You mentioned Anthony Miller for a minute. I don't think you can look at this pick immediately and go, yep, Miller's gone. This is a guy who's going to replace him here in 2021. But you hope it's a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit of a fuel to add to the fire to either get more out of Miller or at least put some pressure on some of the other guys, even like a Riley Ridley, even like a Javon Wims in this wide receiver room to step up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they have to because this is a guy that, Look, we were talking – one guy that you liked earlier, Will, was Dynami Brown, right, from mm-hmm. North Carolina. Well, back in 2019, it was Daz Newsom who led the team in receptions with 72. It was a 1,000-yard receiver with 10 touchdowns. So even though there was capable playmakers on that offense with, with a guy that went earlier than him, he still led the team in those receptions there. And despite, like, having some flaws, like we mentioned, with route running and drops, he showed that he could be capable. So – with a Bears wide receiver room that has shown guys really haven't lived up to maybe some of the expectations. And I know Javon Williams, seventh round draft pick, you don't really expect much, but still we've seen some inconsistencies obviously from him and Anthony Miller, but yeah, you definitely have to be on guard on edge and knowing that, Hey, someone else is now coming for my job. There's someone now in the building who can take my position. And if they continue playing that the way that they have being inconsistent Obviously, Javon Wims dropping the touchdown pass in the wild card game, things of that, and Riley Ridley just not making it on the field, whether that's coaching or on him. We don't really know, but now you have to you have to be ready. And it's only for the best for the team if a guy like Daz Newsom takes that spot because that's obviously means he's outperforming the competition there and showing to the coaching staff, you can trust me. Like it's very similar to what a Darnell Mooney did. If that's the if that happens, again. Best case scenario for the Bears, they get someone that is proving to the coaching staff he can play, he can be productive, he can make an impact. So absolutely, if you're Anthony Miller and those other guys on this wide receiver room, not named Darnell Mooney, Marquise Goodwin, and of course Allen Robinson, you're looking at this like, all right, I better step my game up or I will not have a job anymore. Yeah, it's real interesting. I can't believe... I can believe, but I can't believe, and I want to find out the last time that the Bears stacked picks on one side of the ball like this, especially offense, right? Like every single pick, like I can't recall a time that I've seen it so heavily one-sided. Yeah, it's it's been a while. The only other, like this is not even the same team. I know the Carolina Panthers last year, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they took all defense with every single pick. 
Um, so that's like the last time I've seen a, a, like a team do this, not let alone the Bears. But seeing that they are going strictly on the offensive side, I, I wonder if it, it, it's going to change. Like, yes, maybe you can take a cornerback, a nickel corner. I don't, uh, still not knowing who's actually left on the board. I'm, I'm pretty sure Thomas Graham Jr. didn't go yet, so maybe that could be an option. But the I saw someone in the chat say, what about the wide receiver from Illinois? I don't know if he's been taken, but just that physical presence and just blanking on the name right now. He's a big Marvel fan, though. That's all I know. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's going to stick with this, this offensive, just minded, offense in mind where you want to just improve this side of the ball because – that's what, what that's what needs him most right now. Yeah, no, it really does. I don't know if he is available. I'm kind of going through the list of available. Oh, you'll be the very okay. last one. You're talking about Josh Imatora Bahaba Hebe Hebe Hebe. I think so. Okay. <laughs> that sounds about uh, right. I feel bad, but was, my best real attempt would be Imator It's There's a lot of B H E B H E's in a row, which is really interesting. I don't have a pronunciation guide for him in front of me. I'm just on ESPN site looking at. But he's the dead last ranked receiver left available, according to, again, ESPN. Everyone has their own rankings. It's hard to even keep track sometimes. Uh, All I see is that Shakir Brown's the top-ranked player available on ESPN, and I still think that would be uh, a fun one. Washington's pick is in, so we're getting a little bit closer. We're up to pick 226, Uh, so we're almost reaching our third and final pick here in the sixth round. Nick, I'm glad that these picks are moving a little bit quicker, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you're here, the draft starting at 11 o'clock central time and now seeing that it's, you know, 430 over here, it's a, it's a long time here waiting for these draft picks and having, you know, this, this gap. Um, so yeah, I'm glad. Looks like he froze again for me, Mr. Nick. I'm sure you'll be back any moment. Okay, there we go. There we yeah. go. Yeah, I saw. I was look, looking at TV and just noticing, hey, I froze, but you're good. We'll see what happens. Let's hopefully we'll see what happens. You're right. Stable. One thing I like about both these picks, though, uh, is their ability to do things after the catch or after with contact, right? Because you're looking at the running back, Khalil Herbert. Uh, he is someone who was fourth in the nation last year in yards after contact, uh, and then his average rushing yards after contact per carry tied for the fifth, fifth most of all running backs last year. And then, as we just talked about with Daz Newsom, uh, he's someone as well that is tremendous after he gets the ball in his hands and he's able to make defenders miss uh, better than most receivers. So I see a theme here, and we're looking at guys with the ball in their hands being able to create some, you know, create some plays. And I think it makes a lot of sense when you look at where the Bears are moving this offense. And if you have a guy like Justin Fields, with his accuracy – to put the ball where it needs to be to get it into the hands of these playmakers and let everyone else do their thing. That's exciting. So I see a little bit of a theme there between both these picks, you know, guys that can create some stuff after contact, uh, get making defenders miss. And uh, those are traits that you do want to see in you know any skill position and running back and wide receiver back-to-back picks uh, makes me pretty damn excited. Just looking at that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, also like we're, maybe talking about what can the bears do with these picks? Are you just going to go maybe the physical upside where the guys, they have the look and, you know, the physical traits. And it's not that these guys don't have that. They're just not your, you know, typical for, you know, these, these 
crazy 40 times and like being tall or whatever it may be. Um, these are guys that, yeah, like you said, production yards after the catch. Um, yes, they have their flaws and maybe they're not the best route runners, even both of them. Uh, going back to, to Herbert, one of the flaws for him was that he's not the best route runner out of, out of the backfield. And we, we know with just Daz Newsom, according to his scouting reports, can work out his route running. So things that you have to you have to give and take with, with six-round draft picks, right, where it's not going to be everything's going to be obviously great. They wouldn't be there in the six anyway if that was the case. But, yeah, it's not the typical athlete, I guess, Ryan Pace has been accustomed to kind of taking, um, whether it's early on in the draft or later. But, yeah, that's uh, a good way of kind of looking at what what's the commonality between these guys. Yards after catch, physical, um, with the ball in their hands, can make some plays in in the open field. So that that's what the Bears need more of, really. If you, you, you look around just the last couple of seasons, they just didn't have enough of that. And could it be quarterback play, offensive line, not giving the quarterback time to actually connect with guys? Sure, but you actually just need the, the guys to do it. And then you can see if you can – actually execute the plays there bears are officially back on the clock nick so let's take a breather reassess where this thing is going if i'm gonna put my ryan pace hat on i'm gonna do something that nobody's expecting which means we're gonna draft i mean it's gonna stay on offense at this stage right maybe go punter i think i saw someone distracted a long snapper like two picks ago I saw the highlights correctly over on my screen out of the side of my eye. So that's a little interesting. Um, but pick 228, Nick. I know you have a long laundry list of players that you would love to take at 228 that you've been you know, diving deep in on over the last three to four months. Um, but in all seriousness, do you have any hunches or anything that you wanted to mention before this pick is made? Mm, trying to see here just looking at that board see if anyone actually really does make sense in terms of position or potential upside man everything is so you know what they haven't taken really that an edge well they haven't taken a defense guy what if um we i'll just give the position they'll go edge rusher uh and i don't know who but maybe a six round six round edge rusher or man shakira brown is still there from michigan state i'm wondering why he's still here i think dane brugler had a third or fourth round grade on on the guy he showed he could be physical and has that ability to jump routes and play a verse being versatile playing outside and inside why not take a swing on that uh, on a guy like that so i'm going defense you're gonna finally change it up here i kind of hope you're right i see uh dirk is asking for wap fillier from iu which uh, i had a lot of t- fun watching wap here in the cream and crimson in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, one of AJ's favorite players, uh, number one at IU. He's another fast, shifty wideout, although I, I doubt they go with another wideout, which means they will. Um, but it looks like we should be able to find out who this pick is any minute. It would be nice, though, to address the defense just a, a little bit. But I'm also taking this as a big bit of confidence that they must have on the players on this side of the ball. And and also maybe the urgency that they're feeling to really start that youth infusion with the offensive side, uh, just based off how this draft has been going so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a good way of putting it. They may, they may just feel confident there with Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley at, at nickel corner, kind of battling it out there. So 
Um, that obviously seems to be the case because the Bears have not taken anybody to put any competition there. But I'm just scrolling down, refreshing Twitter. It usually pops up there. Oh, there he is. Yes, they got him. Uh, well, according to Draft Diamonds, Thomas Graham Jr., a guy that I, I really liked as a nickel corner from Oregon and okay. someone that does fit that role for that nickel cornerback spot. So I think that will be, according to Draft Diamonds, that's the only one I'm seeing right now. But hopefully, you know, it kind of picks up here where we see that he is officially, not that Draft Diamonds I was going to say, NFL Draft so Diamonds on Twitter, they've been on it. Like every time it, it comes out, it it's it's correct uh so i'm gonna have confidence in there so the 228th overall pick we got db thomas graham and nicky Thewin jr there uh so i'll make sure i follow up there thomas graham jr yep thomas graham jr guy that at oregon just in his time there really productive uh just at getting his hand on the ball just in the three seasons that he played there 40 passes defended well so he is usually in the right position. And when I was in Mobile, Alabama, and you saw all these great wide receivers, didn't matter what team it was on or, you know, what day it was, Thomas Graham Jr., I thought, was the most consistent at providing the most resistance in trying to cover these guys one-on-one. And look, doing that as a DB is tough in itself. It's always oriented towards the offense, the the wide receiver to win that, that type of um, drill. But Thomas Graham Jr. has the flexibility, the hip flexibility and movement to make some plays and just to cover guys. I saw the face, Will. What you got? Uh, just things that pop up that make you smile when you're looking into a prospect. Uh, he was the 78th ranked player on PFF's top 200 bi- uh, big board. And I look at his biggest strength is a word that we've been buzzing for the last three days, patience. And his NFL comp, Malcolm Butler. Yeah, you know, that's a very I, – I like that pick. I think what what you see with him is instincts and just positioning of where he – that's why he makes all these plays on the ball. He's not the biggest guy, only 5'10", 190, but actually that's a pretty good size for a nickel corner to be able to, one, move in space, and then once the wide receiver makes his cut, Thomas Graham Jr. can undercut that and be right there. So this is a guy, like, if you want to see what he's all about, Obviously, go back and watch what he did at Oregon, but see what he did in a setting where you have some of the best seniors in the country. After a year off. Senior Bowl reps. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this is a guy that I I think is just productive in the time that he's had, and he did that, and that's a really good point, Will. He took that that year off and still showed out at the Senior Bowl, which I think speaks volumes to the athlete and what he did in the downtime to stay prepared and yes, stay exactly. you know, well in his technique. So that's a really good point. Yeah, no, he took that year off. And so, you know, that hurt his grade a little bit. PFF projected you going a third round. I, I'm curious what the beast would have a round grade on him. Do you have it in front of you? Yeah, so fourth round grade. Okay, so again, third or fourth round grade. We got him here at 228. So even though there's guys like maybe like a Daz Newsome uh, earlier as well with Borum, you're like, oh, are they reaching a bit? But again, everyone's board's they fall differently. The stack and the order is just a little bit different. And I like this one as well. It's really cool. I see that uh, just when you look at this, uh, he doesn't have the biggest speed. And I think what hurts him, based off what I'm seeing, is that he's not the most freakish athlete out of the draft class. But what they say here is that even though he's not one of those top-tier athletes, 
He's so sound in his fundamentals, his footwork, his football IQ, and his preparation that he could still end up being one of the most reliable corners taken in this draft. And we got him here at the very end, pretty much, of the sixth round. And I love his aggressiveness that I see. Uh, He attacks through the catch point without hesitation. Uh, Force and incompletion rate, according to PFF, of 15.9% over the past two years. And their bottom line is Graham looks like one of the more scheme, diverse, and versatile corners in this class. He just doesn't have a high-end trait, which, again, sometimes you don't need to be the best athlete if you can put yourself in a position to succeed. And almost reminds me a bit of, a like, what? Like a Kyle Fuller. I don't think anyone said that Kyle Fuller is the best athlete, but he always put himself right where he needed to be uh, with his preparation. And like we said, Preparation is a big reason why he was able to go to the Senior Bowl, show no rust, and still perform to the high level that, Nick, you were able to see down there in your time in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Again, this is a pick that uh, I had, what was it, Mock Draft 2.0. I, I believe I pegged him here around, I think it was the fifth round draft pick that the Bears actually had um, at that point. But, yeah, this is, this is a pick that makes – Another pick that, that makes a lot of sense for, for Ryan Pace and what they kind of want to add there in terms of competition. And Kendall Vildor last year, um, when he had time, when Jalen Johnson went down, he was playing outside corner. And, yes, he did kind of struggle in that Jacksonville game, but maybe that's where the Bears see him more as, as a cornerback. Maybe it's outside as a depth piece, and then you have Thomas Graham Jr., Duke Shelley kind of battling it out. And you could still throw Kendall Vildor in there, but – now that you have a guy like this, uh, it, it does. I, for me, I'm really going to be just looking forward to how that that nickel corner kind of plays out because that's it's obviously a very important position. It's one that you see way more often than you would have seen what ten years ago, as the NFL has kind of transitioned more to a passing game. But yeah, he has all the intangibles that you want out of the position. Not the best athlete, like you said, and like I think what. For me, when I was watching the the Senior Bowl game, it was Amari Rodgers. So he's going to have an opportunity, Will, to go against Amari Rodgers in Green Bay, who got the best of him in the game. You watch that game between Thomas Graham Jr. and Amari Rodgers. Rodgers won the matchup in the game. I would say practices, maybe even to, I would almost maybe even lean to Thomas Graham's side. But in the game, Amari Rodgers got him, and they will be seeing each other. I think again, obviously with the Bears and Packers two times a year. So that will be something I think would be fun, fun little storyline. Like, I remember what you did to me in Mobile. Let's see how I can get it back in Green Bay or in Chicago. So that will be interesting to watch as well. You have to wonder if he played this year where his draft stock would have gone compared to what these uh, reports were coming out and versus what actually just happened here uh, throughout this weekend. Uh, The coaches uh, call him a high competitor, always been that way from a young age. And he's described as a smart, mature, and student of the game by his coaches. And it was evident because he was able to play as a true freshman, uh, where he did lead the team with three interceptions. In 2018, he did lead the team in pass deflections. And he was also third in the FBS with those 21 pass breakups that year. And he led the team with pass breakups the following year as well, with 12 more in 2019 before he took that year off. So he's someone, even though he doesn't have those physical tools, I think just knowing he had eight interceptions and 40 passes defense in his collegiate career, even though he took an entire year off, is such great evidence of what kind of student of the game he is and how he can put himself 
right there where he needs to be. Uh, he doesn't need to be the fastest or the strongest or the tallest or the one that could jump the highest because he's no, he knows how to get where he needs to be in order to make a play. And that sometimes you can't coach things like that. Uh, those are some of those high football intangibles that you want to ensure that you're keeping on your team or adding to your team. And the Bears did that here. When I look at his future, I know you mentioned maybe. I mean, if they like him in the slot to start that first year, if he is one of the better defenders and you can get your best three, I'd be open to it. Uh, I don't know if he played in the slot at all throughout his time. And if not, and we're playing the patience game that we're going to keep, I'll hit it one more time. You have Trufant as that one-year stopgap, and then you have your Jalen Johnson and then you have your Graham here after the fact. So uh, I can see this being a, a pick that has, you know, low risk right now, high reward come really his future here in Chicago. I'm very excited about this pick. Yeah, me too, Will. And I think it is a good point. Like, I project him to be that nickel corner despite him primarily playing on the outside at, at Oregon and obviously having a lot of success there given the stats that we, we read off earlier today. But, man, it just – it. I think his ability to move in space, that's why I can project him to be that nickel cornerback spot because you need to be able to do that. And not to say that he, he can't be an outside corner. It's just he would have such a, you know, everything needs to play out where coaching development, things of that nature, scheme, whatever. But I think, you know, where he can have just a an impact even maybe even in 2021, the – closest to having a, an impact on defense would be that nickel cornerback spot but yeah the bears could be taking it in in that consideration 2022 what can we do there and move on and see what thomas graham is is all about yeah i, I mean for me i just based off what we're hearing and seeing and learning more about here on the fly my brain immediately says outside corner because if you're not the best athlete you need to use that boundary as your friend and learn how to leverage that and i think that could be a big tool for him throughout his career because if you're not the fastest or most agile, when you're in the slot in the middle of the field where you don't have that boundary right there and you have to cover more field and be uh, a little bit more adaptive depending on the routes that are thrown at you and you have to cover a lot more space sometimes in a horizontal fashion, then I think you end up, he can struggle maybe there. Uh, so that's why just looking at what we're hearing about what he's good at and projecting how that fits in the Bears defense, I don't know if Nickel would be his best fit long-term but if he does get him on the field and he's better than Duke Shelley or Kendall Vildor, then it's still an immediate win. And then maybe sliding him outside would be what's best for him moving forward in his career and for this defense. My, this is my thoughts here on the fly. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Uh, obviously, just looking back at the past nickel corners for the Bears. You have Buster Screen and then also Bryce Callahan, who went undrafted, trying to like pull up. Like their their forty time, just you know what they did at pro days, but it's not uh, coming up and being nice with me. But yeah, I think even though, yeah, not maybe not the best, not the best physical athlete, but if you can move those hips, you can turn on a dime, you can shadow receivers, regardless of where you have the sideline or not. Like if you you're, you're I think he kind of views himself as a cornerback because at the Senior Bowl they kind of switched it up a little bit you're going to be inside the side you're going to be outside so yeah it'll be interesting to see if we're able to go to training camp where exactly is this guy even lining up so that second third team is going to be interesting to watch and um yeah we'll have to again wait and see and hopefully we get that opportunity to be at training camp to see what these guys can do in the competition battles that will be interesting to watch but 
yeah, it's, it's going to be. I, I'm listen, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what Ryan Pace has to say in these press conferences because we got a little indication last year with Kendall Vildor how Ryan mm-hmm. Pace said, yeah, he can play inside and outside, and you know, we I think we we've seen a little bit of that even in the limited opportunity. So how are they even viewing him? Is it nickel corner? Is it outside? I bet you just like we see him as a guy that can play both, but you know, so we'll have to wait and see him. Uh, according to his bio on the Oregon Ducks website, uh, he entered the season as the FBS active leader in passes defended with 40, pass breakups with 32, one of the three returning FBS players with double-digit PBUs as well in 2018 and 2019, tied for seventh among active FBS players with those eight career interceptions. He was one of only 21 players in 2019 that had 60 or more tackles and 10-plus PBUs. So I think he's someone... The production speaks for itself, and I'm excited to see how that can translate here to the NFL. And I think the Bears, worst case, best case, you want to look at this pick? I think worst case, hey, you know what? That athleticism really hurt him. In the NFL, he couldn't keep up. And unfortunately, maybe he's just a special teamer. Best case, he turns out to be your starting corner opposite of Jalen Johnson here. Maybe not as a rookie, but then 2022 and beyond. And then you have a pretty solid duo for years to come if he does live up to that Malcolm Butler comparison that we saw over in the PFF draft guide. So I think that's my best case, worst case. How about you? So, yeah, worst case, the the physical, uh, I guess, jump that you're making into the NFL, he's just not able to stay with guys like he did at Oregon and able to have that ball production. So and he just kind of flanks out and it's maybe just a special teamer that you'll, you'll see every now and then jumping on team to team. But my best case still is that he is that nickel corner that okay. more so that he could still transition to be play that position because of what he's done in college on the outside. You can now move it inside and see how he can translate a little bit there and just learn the game a little bit. Um, look, Duke Shelley was primarily an outside corner at what is it? Kansas state, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. And then they kind of tra- due to size, I would, I would assume, but Again, not the biggest guy with Thomas Graham Jr. being 5'10", 190, 190-ish, but maybe that's that's the new role for him. But I think that's how I see the best-case scenario, that you can take one of these six-round draft picks and make him your next nickel corner, just similar how Bryce Callahan got the position you know, some years ago, being an undrafted guy, winning out and showing out in camp and showing that he could be productive and earn himself a big contract going to Denver with Vic Fangio. So that would be my best-case scenario. Okay. All right. So out of all these six round picks, Nick, who do you like the most? I got to go with my guy, Thomas Graham Jr. It's a guy that I like, I've had him pegged in, in my second mock draft. I've watched him uh, when he was at Mobile, Alabama, just been familiar with him uh, and knowing what he can do and just seeing how he was able to compete against some of the best seniors in the country when I was down there in January. So I really, liked this pick and i was just waiting for you know the bears oh man your internet is not being nice right now man i know it's been through a lot it's been through a lot it's been a long weekend hanging out with me over the stream Uh oh okay so i don't know where it cut off there or if it's even working now you're here but I like Thomas Graham Jr. just to kind of end it on that one. <laughs> right? Like, let's not tempt the fates anymore. I just like Thomas Graham Jr. Uh, he's going to be good. I know we kind of had to move fast, so I do want to kind of take some steps back. I'm going to hope that your internet can kind of work through us here for some additional questions here. Um, but let's go back one. Daz Newsome, uh, best case, worst case for him. 
Yeah, Daz Newsome. I think he he's a start. We'll go even best case to start off. He's a starting slot receiver. Maybe not twenty twenty one if Anthony Miller's still on the roster, but you just you see more of a Darnell Mooney type of um, role in terms of I think snap counts where you see like the trajectories going in his favor. That would be a great you know a best case scenario for him. Worst case is that the drops are a problem. The the route running never gets improved, and he kind of stays status quo at where he's at. So that would be the worst case for me. And then, again, he's maybe just a special teamer and can't really find a role in the offense. Uh, look, if it ends up being anything like a Riley Ridley is at this point, can't even see the field, you definitely don't want that to happen. But best case easily is like being more active in the actual offense, especially that slot uh, position. Okay, I don't think I can disagree with anything you said. Uh, let's go back to uh, Khalil. What was his last name? Herbert. Herbert. Khalil Herbert. Getting. I need. I need to have my notepad updated. I need someone next to me to write all these down, so then I don't have to. Uh, so Khalil Herbert. Best case, worst case. I, I think worst case. Again, at this stage of the the draft, is worst case maybe he's just a practice squad player uh, and doesn't see a lot of the field. Uh, best case, maybe he's someone that is a pretty good player in your rotation right now and ends up being like a, a second head in a two-back type of system moving forward and can be a good guy to be a change of pace back, a spell back, uh, give David Montgomery a break and you know change things up there for the offense, give him something a little bit different uh, in that kind of dynamic. Uh, any other additional thoughts on Khalil Herbert? Uh, Khalil Herbert, I think best case, like he's a immediate contributor uh, at the kick returner position. And even, you know, uh, Daz Newsome can maybe, you know, battle it out there. But I think Khalil Herbert, if he's going to make an impact on his team, best case would be for him to just be a solidified kick returner, start off his career. And then you can kind of see maybe the reps as the running back come in later. Like I said, the, the Bears just sang Damian Williams. They have Tariq Cohen. They have the fifth leading rusher in David Montgomery. It's not like they need to get Herbert his touches in the backfield early on. They have guys to do that. So I think kick returner would be uh, immediate contributor. Kick returner is your best case, worst case. Uh, look, just say a, what? Maybe it's like a Ryan Nall or Tavis Pierce type type of role where you're depth just on the roster. And every now and then, if an injury happens, you're, you'll see the field. Okay. As we look at the sixth round, now that it's come and gone, I don't think it's worth going through every player and giving every player a grade since we didn't do it on the fly. All right, so how about we just lump them all together and let's just grade Ryan Pace's job here with his in the sixth round. I think that needs to include the trade back and the three players that we selected so far. I know it's slightly incomplete because we don't know how we're going to wrap up here with pick 250, um, but we can give that one an individual grade here soon. So if you would have to grade the sixth round here by the Bears and Ryan Pace, what would you give it? Yeah, the Bears potentially have a new kick returner. And however you want to look at Thomas Graham Jr., someone that can contribute as as a cornerback on this defense I think sooner rather than later. And then you have obviously Daz Newsome at the slot. Like you have, there's potential there. So I, and I, at the sixth round, you're not, you're not expecting to, to have guys like that, that have this, I think high end potential to actually contribute, not maybe become certified players in the league, but contribute on this bears team. So I'll give it a B plus. Well, I like, I like what the bears were able to do coming out of this, this sixth round, especially 
ending it with a Thomas Graham Jr., a guy that I'm really fond of. Yeah, the Thomas Graham Jr. really is the icing of the cake here, uh, honestly. Like, looking into him, learning more about him, I really feel strongly that if he played in 2020, he probably would have been gone in the top three rounds at this position. But some teams probably, you get some of that, was it recency bias? You see players who played this season, and so you forget some of the production that happened from players in the past. So for me, uh, that's the icing on the cake. Overall, I'm right there with you, A minus, B plus. It's hard to really argue uh, with what the Bears are doing right now. They've bolstered so much depth here in the sixth round at some key positions running back which is a position that I feel like it's ignored and I'm glad that they were able to invest a draft pick in it I wanted them to do that last year they didn't they went with the undrafted free agency route and they also went the free agent this year in the position so I'm liking throwing all the bodies into it and then at wide receiver someone that plays in a slot feels like a natural need for the Bears again kind of lights a fire into that room I know a few of them probably feel like hey one of us, like if they're all in there soon, they'll be looking at each other like, well, we're all not going to be here come week one, so I need to make sure I'm on this roster and I'm doing what it takes for me to make this team. And so I think that competition is going to really elevate uh, some of the play that we're going to see out of that unit as well. So it's really hard to argue with what Ryan Pace is able to do here so far. I'm loving this draft, man. I'm just loving this draft so much. No, it's it's been great, and I can see it in the 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 chat here. People are are happy with what the Bears have done, and honestly, you can't really say that too many times with this team and what they've done in terms of the players that they've selected, and just a lot of the picks just make sense, and that I think you know will will make a lot of the fan base happy. So yeah, I'm I'm really happy and pleased with what he's been able to do. Yes. You can argue about trade-ups and how, what he gave up, but I think when you look at the players, you look at the picks, you look at the value, and you look at the potential, yeah, Ryan Pace has had a good draft, and that's that's okay to say. <laughs> These aren't words that should be banned to say, but, I mean, there was the point where we thought he was track, uh, you know, stringing together some pretty good drafts, and he had some pretty decent picks in each and every draft, and this one just it feels like he's doing a real good job and I know there's always risks we don't know how this is really going to pan out but when you put it on paper here today which we all know Nick and I say this every year the most accurate grade you can give a draft class is this you know the immediate ones that we do right now like you don't have to wait a few years to see how players pan out you know the grades that we put today are solidified they're on a permanent record and they're so accurate Sorry, well, I had it muted there, but of course. I mean, that's how it always goes. Like our mock drafts, like they're always correct, no matter what. That's just how it goes in this business here. But yeah, we'll have to, I think, let's see. You're going to immediately know what Tevin Jenkins is about because that's that's a, that's a starter right away. Can't really say the same about Borum just yet or even obviously Justin Fields, what Ryan Pace was saying a couple nights ago that it is Andy Dalton who will start week one and then – We'll see when we we finally see Justin Fields, but I think you know a lot of these players. Once we twenty twenty two hits, you're going to see everything about this draft and what it can potentially do. But there'll be sprinkles of each one of them making appearances in twenty twenty one for sure. So I guess my next question to you it's a little bit more personal, and it's about our podcast. We have about nine picks until we're back on the clock, and I'm hoping they go quick. Do we just kind of stay on the stream? 
and roll through it because I feel like by the time we get off and we start to edit the audio to get it out to the podcast, we're going to be back on the clock. And that one should be a quick one. It's just one pick in the seventh round. We're not going to, unless they somehow find another gem uh, that we're going to start gushing over, it shouldn't be too much longer. But that's up to you. We got like 10, 11 picks and we'll back on the clock. It's, it's we're an interesting territory. We are an interesting territory. I think we can. I think we can fill the gap, fill the time here, and just kind of stay on here. Like we have a good group of people watching. We can, you know, see what people are thinking and just, yeah, just kind of fill time for for now. But yeah, I think this they have been going quicker with the picks, which has been nice. Like like what I was saying earlier, if they just get one of those Olympic speedwalkers just to kind of get the picks in and out, man, we would be efficient and going mm-hmm. here. But uh, I was, I think. Look, you can fill a gap, fill the time with whatever we want to really talk about because, yeah, the picks are the picks, whatever. But would you go to one of these, Will? Like a draft as a – like there's no, no way. Actually, yes. Right? I'll change my mind. Yes. Okay. Uh, I say no because I do not want to sit there and I do not want to – it would just be boring. But if we did a meetup with a lot of Bears fans that wanted to hang out with us to talk football and have that experience, okay, awesome. But if I'm going to go there incognito – maybe you're there even then i i love you man and i love hanging out with you but i think we could find a better use of our time we don't get to see each other in person too much no so here's what i would think we would do like if it was in nashville or something and not in cleveland uh you know you go see the pick all right you know and we break that group of people that same group after that pick is done we then go find a local bar and then you can get food and watch the draft and not lose anything. Yes, it's cool being like, I guess, hearing everything and just seeing the excitement. But man, like after the first pick, if you have multiple picks that day, like let's let's take this somewhere else. Let's go get some food, get some drinks, just watch the drafts. Like honestly, well, if we could do this in person, I'm sure we would have food and drinks and be watching it and, yeah. you know, be able to do it that way. But yeah, for sure. I don't think I'd want to. I don't know, be be there, I would say. Unless it was media, we were coming media. Oh, yeah, there he is, Thomas Graham Jr. Making in Oregon. On YouTube. Man, Oregon has just the best uniforms. Or, well, they have so many uniforms. But that's, okay, maybe the numbers are too big now that I look at that one. Now, that's hold on. I'm trying huge to huge number four. There we go. Now we're on the screen. So, Steve. yeah, we can wait. 10 picks. We can watch some highlights. Uh, again, this is coming from... Do, 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 do. Boost is the channel. I like to make sure we give people credit. They, they work hard on these things. Yeah, Boost Graphics. They have more subscribers than us. Uh, so con- congratulations on that. Yeah, I'll- seriously. But yeah, like I think with, with Thomas Graham Jr., even though he may not get the interception, he's just in position to, you know, make plays on the ball and, Look, that's the second best thing. Obviously, you want to see the the interception. I mean, he did have some there at Oregon over his three years, but when you have a guy that's just in a position as consistently as he is, that that provides hope of what he can do in the NFL. Because if you're yeah, not, he's in, you don't yeah, have he's that. He's aggressively attacking the catch point. Like every single one of these reels, you're just seeing him take on the receiver as soon as that ball is in the vicinity. He's going to make sure. He's going to do what it takes to make sure you can't catch that thing. Whether he gets his hand up, his hand right into catch point, like he's he's fun to watch. Look at that violent finish at the end too. 
Yeah, even fighting through a block uh, on on screenplays. Like again, we we talk about not the biggest guy, but you need to have you need to be physical and aggressive and have that mentality as a corner and being able to pursue guys like that and close off rushing lanes. That's that's what you want out of a guy, especially a sixth round draft pick. Come on now, that's this is that's this is another one of Ryan Pace's many good picks this draft. So um, again, kudos to him and what he was able to do. And look, I, they got one of my draft crushes in, in Tevin Jenkins. So I, I can't, I, I only can be happy about what Ryan Pace has been able to do in this draft so far. And obviously, when you get Justin Fields to start things off, like this has just been, been a pleasant surprise. And I had very low expectations, like I, I said on the first first podcast, of what Ryan Pace can do. Just maybe waiting at twenty, he's definitely changed it up for sure. Yeah, he really has. I'll see if I can find anything else for us to share. Uh, when it comes to Daz Newsome, everything is coming from the ACC network, and I just don't think they would be as friendly as some other YouTube creators <laughs> if we did throw that on here. Uh, so we'll see how that one goes. I'll, I'll keep looking. It looks like we're about eight picks away now, so things are moving quick. We're getting there a lot. But no, those just the highlights that we're seeing there from Graham was pretty pretty cool to see. And hey, now we have two Grams on the team for now. Yeah. For, yeah, there you go. But for for now, we'll see if uh, Jimmy Graham is still a part of this team. But just looking at who's been picked up here, man, there goes my guy William Bradley King. I think Washington just picked him up, uh, the edge rusher, another Senior Bowl guy, uh, being picked up. And I wonder if that's going to be the trend here. If I don't know how many Senior Bowl guys have been drafted already. There's been been some, but you have Thomas Graham Jr., William Bradley King. Uh, we'll see who else kind of goes off this board here and in a couple of picks, but uh, Trevin Grimes is still maybe. So I thought I saw a rumor a month ago, maybe more recently about Trevin or bears and the connection to Trevin Grimes. That could be another wide receiver. Who knows? Yeah, here we go. We got some punt return highlight here from Newsom. Wait, I'm right. <laughs> it's been a long <laughs> week. It's been a long Man, he's showing. Yeah, that's again. He went started off east and west, but to cut it up field, made a couple guys miss. See him here at wide receiver slot. Get that first down. And this is Tar Heel tapes, and the properties okay. from ABC, ESPN, ACC Network. No copyright infringement intended, and we're gonna say same. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're just trying to show people this new bear. We gave you a shout out. Along the way. That's a play that you, you'll you see in Matt Nagy's offense right oh, there. That little flip at the end too to, to finish through that run. Like, that, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere you see a lot of motion. Hopefully, actually, that's something that the Bears kind of go a little bit more to. I know, like, last season there wasn't as much pre-snap motion. Maybe now Matt Nagy feels like he has the guys and, you know, with Justin Fields when he's at quarterback – to, to do that a little bit more. I think that will definitely help, one, to distinguish what a defense is in, but also get his play playmakers moving, different spots of the field to give them the best opportunity to make plays. I think that's something that we can potentially see, and mm-hmm. we see that Newsom is kind of comfortable in that spot. Absolutely. Well, this does stress my internet just a little bit, and I think you understand a little bit. Nick, how that goes. <laughs> I, oh, absolutely. I know. Um, are we? I, I see Bears are on the clock here in the chat. I just don't see it 
officially yet, even on Twitter. So are they on the clock? Uh, so we're who, potentially on the clock is how I'm going to say it. I trust everyone in our chat. It's just that I want to make sure things are you know, official by the time we say it. But my TV, we're at pick 243. And same thing, I see Carolina on the clock at 243 right now. And I know at this time things go quicker, so these are a little bit behind. Um, but as soon as I see that the Bears are on the clock and some sort of mode, uh, we'll make sure that we kind of switch gears over there. I'm actually going to switch over. I want to see what the Bears beat writers are up to because I did see that they're talking to some players as uh, and their coaches. Tom and well, you probably haven't seen this yet. Work. What was that? I said Thomas Graham Jr. said, let's get to work, Chicago, or let's work, Chicago. Got it. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a fiery guy, too. He'll get into the – it was him and Tylen Wallace, I think, uh, had got into not, you know, just being competitive. Uh, in a couple reps there, but did you see the fun fact see. about uh, Khalil Herbert? No, he was born with twelve fingers. Uh, the extra fingers uh, have been removed, so he's now down to ten. Um, but he still has six toes on his left foot. Okay, <laughs> interesting, <laughs> interesting. That um, came from Adam Hogue, uh, by the way. Uh, he tweeted that, so I want to make sure to give him his credit too, uh, and I'll retweet it. But that's interesting. I wonder how that gets brought up. Like, was that a question that was, like, asked to, you know, Herbert? Or, like, he just flat out said, yeah, I got some extra, you know, fingers and toes here. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> very interesting there. Um, I, I see that uh, our coach, Chris Rumpf, uh, the defensive lineman coach, uh, he did coach Khalil Herbert in high school. Interesting. Interesting. little connection there. Yeah, so <laughs> Herbert got- says that he's a home run hitter. And that feels like he can do anything. I'm an all-purpose back. He's, I like my running backs like I like my flower. All-purpose. There you go. Uh, we have some funny comments in, in the chat here where you have, do you have six <laughs> fingers on your right and six toes for six rings. Good six for toes. planting and making cuts. Do you have six, six toes, fingers? Better balance. What a way, yeah. Like, how does that come up? Is that an extra? Did you have an extra finger at one time? Like, yeah. I mean, that must be like known in some circles to be able to ask that question. Yeah, it has to be because I mean, like, just curious. Do you have any any extra fingers or toes? Just checking. I do actually. Oh, okay. So I saw a question here from Doyle in the chat. Uh, I'll throw it up here on our screen. Uh, We talked about it a little bit uh, during our Justin Fields episode. Just wondering, do you think he'll be the week one starter? I do not. Uh, I think the Bears are going to be, I think they're telling us straight facts when they say they're going to try to make this thing like you did see with Mahomes and Alex Smith. And uh, I feel like Matt Nagy was involved in that quarterback room. And I think he knows the value of being patient and bringing a guy along and just look what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do. Uh, so I wouldn't mind waiting if we can get that kind of result, that yield on this investment. Uh, so for me, I think the Bears aren't lying. And unless they and I think here's how it'll go. I don't maybe he won't even start week one, but if there's if this Bears team is in contention and they're knocking on the door of contention and they feel like we need that boost or that next level and that it factor and Justin Fields is it man I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate to pull that trigger either if you can find a way to win now with Fields I just don't think it'll be week one 
No, neither do I. And this definitely is a Matt Nagy pick. Um, it was Stacy Dales from the NFL Network who said that Matt Nagy went back and watched every single play from Justin Fields' career at Ohio State. I, I don't know if it was every single play from his career, even including Georgia, but I know it was definitely from Ohio State. So this is different in the sense that it's not just a Ryan Pace, I'm going to go not tell anybody and get Mitchell Trubisky. This is a Matt Nagy-type move, and that why why I think he won't start week one is because of what he saw and how much he was invested in the Patrick Mahomes move in Kansas City. So I think we definitely see more of a wait-and-see approach. Not more so see, just a waiting approach, just to – you have Andy Dalton here. You haven't paid. And Ryan Pace said, like, he's going to start come week one. So I think that really is the approach. And I think that's what they wanted to do with Mitchell Trubisky back in 2017. It just got so bad from Mike Glennon yep. and his play there that they, they were forced to, you know, start him there because they thought he was just better. So I think it will be that Justin Fields sits for as long as – I don't know if it's the entire season, Will – I, I I don't I don't think it's going to end up being that, but it may be close to it. To be completely honest, they have Andy Dalton, and I know someone else in the chat here put what or something around Nick Foles. What are they going to do with him? I think at this point now, with with contractually, you're almost better off keeping him, um, just instead of not having the guy. Because let's say Andy Dalton goes down, like then you then you are forcing Justin Fields onto the field maybe sooner than than you would have liked so have those two veterans there uh you can just fields i know can learn a lot from him he's very studious he can definitely grasp what these guys have done in their career and how he can go about taking the bits and pieces he learns from them and apply it to his career so i think when it all comes down to it they are going to stick to that plan for as long as they can of sitting justin fields and then allowing him to kind of take over when the time is right we got some Khalil Herbert highlights coming on here. Our screen from Mills Productions here on YouTube. Uh, again, always making sure that we do credit the people for the work and the compilation here uh, of some of these highlights that they've been able to do. I mean, I see a lot of good things. Uh, that energy, look at them following those blocks, hesitation, making guys miss. It's been fun. To, as you were rambling, I was kind of just watching some of these kind of unfold and He's someone like, look at that speed to get to the outside. Like, things were blocked up. That wasn't the intended hole that run was supposed to go to. And he was able to bounce that out, still get to the edge, and end up with the score. And I, I did see in his scouting report that he is best suited for zone cover, like zone schemes. That's what the Bears like to do. That's their bread and butter, you know, inside or out. Uh, he has that vision. He keeps his eyes up, and he's able to hit that hole and you know find those cutback lanes too. And just look at that speed to run away from people right down, right down Broadway Street. This guy's gonna be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. It also helps when you have like what was it, Christian Derisaw, who was a first round draft pick, blocking on that at the left tackle position. But here we go as a kick returner now, kind of seeing what what he's about at the position, just kind of. Straight line. Okay. Oh, that's a nice cut there. Okay. <laughs> there we go. That's chopping the feet and then finding a lane and outrunning everybody. Oh, go. And yeah. So, I mean, that's, is that, wait, I thought you didn't have any touchdowns. Was that the one that maybe got called back? Probably. If I had to guess. Mm. It's still a good cut. You still got to find it. Still got to find it. And there's Christian Derrissaw. That's what he does. He, he lays people out to, for his, for his running backs to get touchdowns. And that's why he's first round draft pick. 
All right. So I think we'll get back to us here on the screen. We are we're getting closer. I feel like that, uh, you know, maybe it's going a little slower than I thought it would, but we're still rolling. This has been a lot of fun to kind of extend it. And I don't know, Nick, we're not just, you know, usually when we're in the green room and I'm just like, I'm leaning all the way back, and, you know, napping out and this, it keeps your energy level up uh, just a, a little bit. So it looks like we are about three-ish picks away from that final pick here, I'm assuming, for the Bears, unless they find a way to get Mr. Irrelevant uh, with that final pick. I would hope not. <laughs> I would hope we don't need to have to move up. Do you have any players that are sitting here? If you're looking at, I don't know if, who you have up uh, in terms of like players available, um, but that would be like your immediate, once this draft is over, like high priority on drafted free agents. I mean, the fact that Shakira Brown's still sitting there is ridiculous. And I know we're looking ahead because technically we should be asking, who are you going to pick at, you know, pick 150? But, yeah, yeah I'm um, just curious your thoughts here. And either guys that you think may not get drafted that are still sitting there or if there's a guy that you see that makes a lot of sense at 250, I would love to hear it. You know, honestly, he's been there at, at this point now for since the start of this episode, since the start of the fifth round with Kay Johnson, another wide receiver you can add to the mix. So that's a guy that, hey, if he doesn't get drafted, bring him in, see what he can what he can do possibly. Another guy that just kind of scrolling through some of the, the available players here um, is the if they haven't taken the Florida wide receiver Grimes, that would be another one. I'm just think just sticking with wide receivers apparently. I don't know why, but that's just kind of how my mind is thinking. Uh, that would be another one as well. And then really, nothing stands out in terms of like, oh, we need to go sign this guy. He's an undrafted free agent, but we're going to get a good indication of what the Bears were thinking because as soon as the draft's over, like those start coming out. It's not yeah. where they kind of, they wait and, you know, you you start to see who who gets, who's going to have an opportunity to get brought into camp and, you know, at least compete there. But yeah, just scrolling through the list, there's not a lot of names that one, I recognize at this point in the draft and two, they're like, we got to go get him. This is a guy that we need. But what about you, Will? Anybody that's kind of standing out? <laughs> if I say Shakir Brown one more time, I think people are going to kill me, so I won't. Uh, but no, <laughs> I'm just looking at – I'm honestly cross-referencing ESPN's top list. I'm trying to just see where they're up on, like, the beast. And that's what I'm trying oh, to I, do. Oh, I found a guy. I found okay. a guy here. Just the name alone. His name's Dwayne Johnson. I freaking love The Rock. Okay. So, so uh, <laughs> you want Dwayne – uh, exactly. What is what position? San Diego State. Dwayne Johnson. Is he is safety. Uh, senior uh, mentioned started all thirteen games. Yep, he is a safety there at San Diego State. A box safety with good size and toughness. This is from Lance Zerline from the NFL Network. But that's just a name. I saw him like, well, Dwayne Johnson. I know there was a Chris Evans from Michigan that was drafted earlier today. Uh, obviously, being a huge Marvel fan that I am, like Chris Evans, you. You do it, Captain America. Go have a great career. But, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of scrolling through through guys. If anyone's in the, Oh, yes. Well, Sean Byer, Iowa. Let's go. Come on. That's another yeah. Iowa guy that, you know, I, I did have in one of my mock drafts. But it's it could be a position of need if Jimmy Graham, well, we were talking about if both Grahams are going to be on the roster come, you know, 
the start of the 2021 NFL season, but you may need to look at that position maybe sooner than people are kind of expecting. Uh, but I'm glad I was scrolling through this just to see him there. The one name that I actually just saw, uh, someone in the chat, I'll make sure I throw it up there, but I was looking over at the Beast, is Justin Hilliard from Alabama, the inside linebacker. Again, if you're trying to just figure if you're playing some 4D chess here and you're trying to find a guy that maybe you're not, you have a chance of not getting him here when the draft ends as an undrafted priority free agent, but he could be someone that can develop onto this team at a position that could be a need here sooner rather than later. That one would make some sense. I was trying to see if there's any other inside backers and seeing how he exactly fits. Uh, so that's been kind of on my plate, but it's kind of hard to, to do that so fast sometimes. Yeah, it's uh, multitasking gets tested on, on these days especially well because when we get to the later rounds and there are players that we have not heard of that are new, especially the small school guy, it's like, uh-oh, <laughs> let's, let's see how we can talk about this but then research to find, you know, substantive info to actually relay to our listeners and our fans here. But yeah, I, I agree. Like we, we test all that multitasking on these three days, especially. It looks yeah, like yeah, there's Cardinals. A... Oh, that's right. I think I, I think it's something about his medicals. I think, there's some as a torn Achilles that says right here on the beast that the medical evaluations from teams will be key for him being drafted, but he has unquestioned NFL talent intangibles and determination tailor made for the next level. Uh, but the only thing I saw is a torn Achilles, but that was in 2019. Anyway, missed one game last year due because of a false COVID test. Oh, but maybe it's the torn Achilles. And then in 2016, he had a bicep surgery. Uh, and then the year before that, he also had another meniscus and biceps issues. So maybe that's where it comes down to. Yeah, and if we had Mason on here, he'd probably be able to give us a better indication of how how tough that is to come back from. But yeah, we were like you were probably about to say, well, having three people to kind of talk about these things is um, it helps. It definitely helps for sure. But what pick are we on, Will? You're you're ahead of me. Is it two forty eight or are we still on two forty seven with the Cardinals? Uh, I know the pick on, is in on, on my screen. On the screen it's two forty eight is what I'm seeing waiting to load in. Um but we're okay, so close. I'm I'm certain the Bears have to be getting on the clock here any second. Which is a positive. I'm starting to get hungry. hungry. <laughs> yes. No, this is the Saturday night draft weekend. Like you and I sit here all day, and we we have a few snacks in between some picks. But these nights, like I gorge. Like after we do this, and I get the podcast edited, and it's into the feed after the live stream. Boy, do I just eat, and then I sleep, and then next thing you know, it's Sunday afternoon. Yeah, basically, it just kind of goes by, and you're thinking too. It's starting at eleven o'clock. Like, okay, we're gonna get out of here sooner than than you think we're gonna get out of here, and then then it just doesn't happen. But that's the draft. It is a... It's a marathon. It's, it's a marathon, yeah, for sure. So um, We're almost there, man. Yeah. We're going to get some really good analysis here of whoever this final pick is. Maybe wrap up just overall draft class thoughts real quick. I know I'm excited for the schedule to get released later this week, and then we can talk about, hey, we have players. We know we can have a good sense of who this, what this roster is looking like, and we already know who we're playing but we're going to know the order. And more importantly, we're going to know when we're going to uh, LA for that road trip. Is it, we're going to, okay. Yeah. 
Sure. See, uh, <laughs> see, sure. I see how I'm, I just... down. I'm, I'm down to go to a game. I'm down to go to a game. Man, I would. It would be nice if it was later in the year because that gives us more of an opportunity to see Justin Fields if they decide yeah. to go to him. So, be later. Come on, push it back. Know what we I don't want. Know if I, yeah, and I don't even know if I said this on the podcast or if it was after the fact when we're just kind of talking and kind of just still like absorbing that news, but. I feel like Justin Fields' first career start, if we know it in advance, I want to be at that. Like, I feel like that's, like, going to be a historic moment for this franchise, and I want to be there in person. And, I, and again, I don't care if it's across the country. I'm going to go to that thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm all with you. And looks like Vegas is definitely the the runner, or, you know, the winner here of which game we should go to, and Hey, I'm I'm all for it. I'm down to go to Vegas, have a good time. Uh, we Fields uh, updated his bio on Twitter to say he's the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. I did look yesterday and it said Ohio State, so I'm glad that he got to his Twitter. He has more important things to do for a couple days, I bet, uh, after being drafted there in the first round. But his bio's updated and the Bears are officially on the clock. Let's go. For the final well, we didn't time. talk about Will, and it's I think this is really important. Justin Fields' adorable dog Uno. Have you seen that little guy? Oh my goodness! Yeah. Like adorable. I think. And the name. I wonder if it's perfect. the same. Oh, perfect! Yeah, I wonder if it's the same dog that Roquan Smith. Or it looks very similar. Don't know if they're exactly the same, but cute little dog is there. Got Got to bring up Uno because adorable. Oh man, pick two fifty. Bears on the clock. Rams pick is in. Now we wait, and I'm excited to see how this is going to end up. It's kind of shaken out. Uh, we'll see exactly what happens here. I, I'm i not going to even speculate who I think it's going to be, who I want it to be. I'm just going to be patient, the buzzword of the week, and we're going to find <laughs> out who it is, and we can talk about him. Yep, that's all we can do, Will. At this point now, we made it. Last pick of the draft, or what, well, for the Bears. Last pick for the bears draft so see what they do here just best player available whoever you think you would want right now hands down or and now we're right there's only a few more picks after this perhaps it's more of a you know you want to get to the undrafted free agents you don't they don't get to you don't get to choose them they have to choose you you they have to sign with you so if you had a guy out of that whole group that you would hate to see go elsewhere and that's the one you want then that's who I would get here. I, I mean, that's what it's worth. It's kind of like a little bit of a security blanket for that. So that's what I would do. Uh, but who am I besides the guy behind a, uh, behind a mic? And there's only nine more picks after this one. So just got to choose wisely. Yep, absolutely. We're, we're, we are guys behind mics, but we, we got some knowledge as well, Will. So and we the Bears say the pick is in, which means I'm going to say the the pick is in. And now we wait to find out. Oh, why did oh and to go to the other scene? We're good. <laughs> Technical, not difficulties, just nuances. All right, come on, come on, loading. Let's get it. Loading, loading. Do you have any last thoughts before this pick comes through, other than what I mentioned? The only thing, and this has nothing to do with the Bears' pick, but I would like the Bears. Well, I would like the Bears to like put out a video or have a reporter there to get into the draft, you know, draft room. Cause I think those are always the coolest kind of things that you can see. I forgot which team allowed that to kind of happen where you could see 
what's kind of going on behind behind the scenes. Like that would be that would be neat. I, I would like to see that. But I, I saw someone's draft room, and that's why I'm saying that right now. Um, it's just refreshing the Twitter. You know, if something's wrong. I keep hitting home on my Twitter on my desktop, and it's no tweets have popped up in like 20 seconds. I'm like, no way. What's going on here? It's not right. The bird app. Some people call it. Okay, Larry Mayer is the first one to come through with it. All right, they must have given it, like, whispered it to his ear. BYU nose tackle Kyrus Tonga with the 250th pick. So going defensive tackle, going nose tackle. So the Bears, Nick, I think Brandon probably wishes that he was still doing the podcast with us because this has been the draft at the trenches of his dreams so far with all the investment that the Bears are putting into the to the offensive line, then wrapping up the draft here at nose tackle. So again, Kyrus, I'm going to say Tonga, T-O-N-G-A, pick number 250. The Bears are ending with a nose tackle, which is interesting because Eddie Goldman's coming back this year. They already have some decent depth up front. So I don't know if this is, again, another long-term play or if they did feel like there's a need for another big body up front for this defense. Well, you also got to remember they did – uh, Roy Robertson Harris is no longer a part of the team. I'm pretty sure Jenkins is no longer here as well. I don't know why I'm blanking if he is or not, but uh, the Bears do go to end this draft two defensive players, right? So first, um, not that it's a run on defensive players, but you know they ended off consecutive uh, guys here. So just kind of looking at what he was able to do, 2020. Remember this condensed kind of see well 11 games. So what do you got there, Will? I just I saw that in 2019 he had a rushing touchdown. So apparently, you know, big men who play defensive line, who run for scores, play in Chicago. <laughs> but that's the first thing I saw when I pulled up his profile. Nice. He was a team captain last year in 2020. Two and a half tackles for loss, one forced fumble, two and a half sacks. In his career at BYU, he had seven and a half sacks in four years. There, he also blocked a field goal in 2018. So he has blocked field goal 2018, a rushing touchdown in 2019, becomes a team captain. You know, if you block a field goal, you rush a touchdown, and you play on the defense, you're a team captain. That's that's just how it kind of goes there. But what is this guy? Six foot two, 325 pounds, <laughs> a five, 5.0740. Okay. Bench press 35 reps. All right. But where's. How do, you, how do you pronounce his name? Kyrie's? Kyrie's. Kyrie's. how you pronounce his Kyrie's Tonga. I like, that's an awesome last name, too. Tonga. What else we got here? Um, looking at the beast here, Will. Three-year okay. starter at BYU. Tonga's a nose tackle and head coach's multiple fronts, usually lining up head up over the center. Um, he struggled through a tough childhood, but he found direction with his adopted family, the church and BYU football. He compiled 130 tackles and 15 tackles for loss over the last four seasons. An aggressive space eater. I am really white on the screen. All right. Uh, Tonga is active in the trenches <laughs> with his slanting quickness and upper body strength to shed slash toss blockers. He improved his conditioning and chase skills over the years but his pad level and anchor need to develop better consistency. And here's the final sentence here. Overall, Tonga will face limitations on third down in the NFL, but he is powerful with his hands and creates congestion at the line of scrimmage he projects as a rotational nose piece. So 
Okay. That is the synopsis at, of Kyrie Tonga. Now, remember when Tevin Jenkins was in the 99th percentile for his bench reps? Yeah. Tonga, 98th percentile. He put up 40 reps at the bench. So he's someone, a, wicked, strong players. It's something that the Bears are, uh, they that's in the first round, second round, and then here now. In the, and, heck, I mean, let's not even shy away. Justin Fields is super strong for a quarterback as well. So there's some themes that we're seeing here with all of these picks. Strength, nasty demeanor up front, uh, both sides of the ball, and then getting guys in skill positions that can make and make plays after contact, after the catch with the balls in their hand. So I like the theme or themes that Ryan Pace has kind of put together here. Uh, throughout this one but yeah 40 bench he also is in the 92nd percentile with a 7.2 three cone drill so for a big man he can move uh, he's also at the 92nd percentile he had a 117 inch broad jump uh, so he's a guy that he's a little compact with the size 6'2 296 but he's a pretty decent athlete and he's wicked strong so this is could we have the poor man's Aaron Donald? <laughs> no, that's way too. That's too big of a stretch. But just saying, why not? Yeah, why not is right. But I, that is a good point that you mentioned. Well, I, it's been pointed out before, and I think it was Chris Long, Kyle Long's brother, uh, who pointed out. I think after the wild or after one of the the way yeah, the wild card game uh, between the Bears and Eagles that the Bears were just weren't physical enough. They just didn't have that that edge to them, and that's how the Eagles kind of knew they were going to come out with that the victory there. Well, this draft, I think, is just really addressing the lack of physicality that maybe was there on both sides of the football, more so the offense than rather the defense. But you see the guys that they've drafted, there's this nastiness to them. There's this physicalness to them. There's this strength, clearly, in guys like Tonga. So that is something that, like you mentioned, Will, that could be a theme here. So that's obviously something that you like to see. I got to correct everything I said. PFF, I'm going to email them. They need to reorder this thing for next year because they they have a picture of Tonga with all this stuff, but apparently the stats are the guy above him. Come on. Oh, oh. So <laughs> he's not in the 92nd percentile of anything. So if I go find it real quick, he had 28 reps at the bench, which is 70th percentile. His cone drill was a 7.8, which is 25th percentile. And his broad jump was only 105, which is 41st. So not nearly the athlete that I thought when I was reading through those stats. I apologize. I don't like to do any misinformation, so I want to make sure I do clear that up. Uh, and PFF will get an email from me, uh, someone that, in my end, that understands user experience. It's not so friendly or intuitive. Um, but uh, what I like is what I'm seeing is rare range for a nose tackle. He can track down QBs and ball carriers. Uh, even though he's bigger at 320, he doesn't. he's not noticeably fat. He's just really strong and built. And he's pretty light on his feet for a guy that plays in the interior of the defensive line. So those are some things that really stand out to me uh, over in his time. And the fact that he's a team captain, I think, is something that shouldn't go unsaid. You already mentioned it. Um, but the fact that he's a team captain just shows, again, another strong leader uh, that the Bears can add to their locker room. And I guess you mentioned about his hardship as a kid. Uh, that resonates with me. Uh, and the fact that he was able to kind of find his family, uh, I think is really uh, it's tremendous. And I'm glad that he was able to do that to kind of put himself where he is today uh, and finding himself that support system. So people that go through some adversity like that early on, 
are people that have uh, high admiration uh, from me, uh, and I'm very glad uh, to kind of hear his story, learn more about it, and it uh, makes me appreciate this pick just a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. It was also an East-West Shrine Bowl invite, but of course, due to COVID, that was actually canceled. Back, speaking a little bit more to his background, he was a tight end and defensive end and did play club rugby. And I was actually just watching rugby not too long ago. Well, I don't even really understand how it kind of works, but it's physical. You need to be physical to play that sport. And it looks like Ky- Kyrie's, I'm sorry, if I, I think I said Kyrie, Ky- just I don't know why. Kyrie's Tonga it has that physicality to him. And you have to, as a defensive lineman in the trenches, primarily lining up opposite of a center, you need to have that uh, and be a part of that. And yeah, it's just a. I think also someone mentioned it like Akeem Hicks is not getting any younger. And this is not, not saying this is a move. You're going to get a guy with your 250th pick in the draft and just, you know, replace Akeem Hicks. That's not, not saying that. Just saying that is a good, good thing to point out that he is obviously getting older. You're going to need to have guys also in place, but getting an Eddie Goldman definitely helps seeing hopefully just Bilal Nichols continue to improve will be great to see as well. And then kind of round out this defensive line, the rotation. It's good to have a guy like this, someone who does bring that, the physicality to him. He's also pretty old. 20, almost, he's going to be 25 years old by the time the season starts. 25 for a rookie. Not that that's an old age by any means. That's actually behind both of us now. It's crazy how that happens. Like we were starting this podcast and people were about the same age as us coming out. And now we're older than all these kids. But 25 for a prospect, something I just want to make sure it's noted. Uh, so that's something as well. And I just like seeing about, you know, the, the strength that he has and that he's a powerful player up front. And maybe he's not a guy on third down, um, but also there are other downs that you need to play and be effective up front in order to give yourself – favorable third down position on well both sides of the ball but in this case defense uh so for me someone that can maybe give you know eddie goldman a breather or if you want to go real heavy in a goal line package an extra big body that's strong up front to me this makes a lot of sense as well and uh, apparently one of his small things did you mention his pbus i did not how many pbus does it get 12 as a as a guy that lines up in front of the center that's pretty impressive uh, be able to one time it up perfectly and look if you don't get to the quarterback which you're not going to on most snaps you can still impact the play and prevent it actually from being executed by getting your hand on the football so you definitely like, love to see something a stat like that yeah uh 12 career pass breakups uh, just by you know knowing where a quarterback's probably going to go getting in those passing lanes and getting your hands up and just watching and having that good timing and anticipation so again small nuances that Maybe you don't hear about here and there from especially a defensive lineman, a nose tackle, but that's that gives me a little jazz. Not gonna lie, I like that one a lot. All right, Nick, what's your best case worst case, best case worst case for Tonga? Uh, Tonga, especially early on in his career, if he can find himself a spot in this rotation, this defensive line rotation, and it's very sparingly, it's not going to be somewhere you're going to see you're going to hear Tonga's name called, you know, at Soldier Field or anything like that. But it's very sparingly that he can find his way into the rotation and do his job, essentially. And if it is in those heavier sets where you need to be in goal line packages and you just need body, big bodies, and he can hold his ground and not get pushed out of the way and just, you know, open up a running lane for an opposing running back, 
the best case is that he can do that job and fill that role, you know, especially early on in his career. Cause obviously it's not going to be the biggest, uh, you know, specialty. It's going to be on the defensive line and being in those big, those bigger packages for the defense. So that's kind of the best case. Worst case is that again, maybe it's just, it's just not, he can't find that spot and that he gets pushed down the depth chart and, Look, being a 250th overall pick, you you have to fight for every day that you're there at training camp and show this coaching staff now that has plenty of offensive linemen that are going to be trying to earn their earn their reps. You got to be able to beat those guys. And if this he can't, a, he won't be on the team. This is a guy that I would not be surprised starts his career on the practice squad, uh, but someone that oh, yeah. if injuries happen, he'll be one of the first people you know called up, elevated uh, to kind of fill out over there. I, I don't see a, an immediate path for him to be an active part of the 53-man roster uh, just due to the fact that nose tackle is already positioned that you don't see all the reps you're not usually there on third down Eddie Goldman's a rare breed where you can um, but he's someone where I think throughout time can develop to be I think best case is someone that maybe and again this is best case you can develop to give you and Eddie Golden, Goldman replacement once that contract's up. And there's a few years left on that. So that's a long-term play, and that's probably best case, just quality starter. Worst case is someone that can't break, like you said, into the rotation and become effective in this league. And I know there are some concerns that even though he's super strong and he's someone that played, uh, you know, he played at BYU, and he wasn't dominating some of that lesser talent that he was going up against. So going against NFL talent – he may struggle a little bit as well. So you have to kind of figure that out. But I like the nimbleness that he displays, and we'll see if that can translate to something that uh, can be a success here. How would you grade this pick? Uh, this Look, I think it is it the biggest need on the Bears. No. Could you maybe gotten maybe an inside linebacker, and that would have played out better? Possibly. It, it's a guy that, again, maybe there's not too much upside I can't be so critical of, of a seventh round draft pick because maybe he does find his way into the rotation and Mario Williams is out for the first two games and you see him make an impact sooner, a little bit sooner. But uh, if I had to grade it, it's not a super exciting pick. I don't want to give it. I'll, I'll go C plus because why not? I, and that's not me being like really critical of it, but we'll, we'll see. It's a 250th overall pick with a defensive lineman who doesn't, have the most sacks in his career, but he does have those passes defended. But yeah, it's a kind of I have, I have to see what he's about and not having obviously watched anything of him. Give it a C plus. We'll see what where where it can go from here. Yeah, C makes sense. Like we'll see where it goes. I, I, I someone that it's nothing like you can like oh for all these reasons he's going to be impact player out of the gate. And I think in the seventh round though you're not going to really find some of those players anyway so i didn't expect it so i will actually up your c plus i'll say b minus because anytime you can add big strong dudes to your to your line on either side of the ball you're going to be a better football team for it uh, so for me i'll give it a b minus because defensive tackle is something i always wanted to mock but i thought it'd be totally inaccurate and no way they would do it but they did uh, so maybe that surprised me as well you want to grade the entire draft class real quick i feel like just with Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins and everything else underneath it is gravy. So I'm, I'll start it off and I'll kick it off and I'll say, a, like that's it. Like I don't even, I don't need to go into every pick and explain why I think Bears fans know. We've had plenty of 
content throughout these past three days to express why I feel that way. But I think A just makes so much sense. We got a guy that could be a potential franchise quarterback who sees himself as a franchise quarterback. And we got ourselves some nasty players up front. Uh, it's just, to me, I'm so happy about this draft. It couldn't have gone much better. Yeah, well, it's hard to imagine a scenario where the Bears um, come out with, with more impactful, potential impactful players than they do with what they did these past three days. You have your franchise quarterback, like you said. You have two tackles addressed for the future you have a nickel or however you want to view thomas graham you have him there you also drafted a wide receiver and a a kick returner so those are needs on this defense right now and guess what ryan pace saw that and addressed them addressed them with with the guys that he did he showed conviction and got uh you know the players that he did two first rounders i think in in the first two days with fields and jenkins obviously a consensus uh, pick from multiple people that Jenkins should have been a first rounder. And he thinks that as well. So yeah, this is an A for me too. Ryan Pace credit to you, man. Like he had a lot of, you know, fire with, with what was going on in the beginning of the off season with people, how they're very critical of him, us included of what he kind of did and what this franchise direction it could have been going. But man, he, he showed us that he, he knew, he knew what he needed to do and he executed and so now we're hoping that these picks can execute on the football field and ultimately make this team one that we can really get behind again. I think this draft, though, puts that puts a lot of people back into wanting to see what the Bears can do. I know my brother, for instance, is like, I'm not even going to watch games. Like, they, uh, how last season went. But now with this draft, I think you can get back on, on the, the bandwagon, I guess, and just see what this Bears team can do. Yeah, it's... I think I tweeted it this morning. It felt like the early portion of this draft, like bears were like, no, we're going to hire social media guys. Hey, keep your finger on the pulse. What do the fans want? Who do they want to see? And then they did everything they could to get those two players in Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins. And just to get in our good graces again. I mean, Nick, I mean, we went to a spot where we weren't even buying merch for a while, right? Like, no. And a lot of fans were in the same boat. Like I'm not going to support this team with my money. You draft Fields immediately, like the most, the second most popular jersey on Fanatics. Like it's like, okay, yeah, okay, we're good. We're, I, I love you again. I'm ready. And I told you that night, like I'm reinvigorated. Where it's like, all right, let's do another 555 episodes. And I want it to be the Justin Fields era, and I want to have multiple perennial seasons where we are contenders and we are having a lot of fun football to talk about because we've had a lot of mediocre and average football on this podcast to discuss. There's a real chance that can change. I hope so, Will. I really, really hope so because it's it gets so stagnant when when it's just eight and eight, eight and eight, knowing that the Bears are not going anywhere. But they haven't. They have a ch- this. They have a chance, and this is their best chance. Let's be complete. This is their best chance to get out of that mold and become something uh, like a contender, like a legitimate consensus consistent contender that's hard to say five times fast in in the nfc but to represent like the city of chicago how it should be represented so it's a wait wait and see and i know i say that so much and it's probably over overdone but it's accurate though it's accurate and i think this is the like i said this is the best opportunity for the bears to get out of that if it doesn't happen Again, they're cursed. We 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 support a cursed franchise if they cannot get out of this with this team that they currently have developing here and with the prospects that they just got these past three days. 
Legitimate, consistent contender. Yeah, that's that's. The, I, I've had a while to think on it. You were just spitballing it on the fly, but that's those are some words. The three word, three words to kind of wrap up this draft. Is that do these picks put them in line to be that? I, I like that a lot. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for dinner. How about you? Starving. Let's. Uh, we've been here since eleven o'clock, chewing on you know snacks and stuff like that. But it's time to eat. It's time for some nutrition. And honestly, like the Bears. Like with all of this, yeah, let's eat, let's get it, let's go. So thank you again, everyone, for joining us throughout the entire draft weekend. Uh, It really does mean a lot to us, and uh, it makes it so much more fun. Uh, All the live stream interaction, everyone listening to the podcast, everyone, you know, interacting with us on social media for the past few days, it's, this is what it's, you know, this is what we've been missing. Like the last two seasons have been so dark and in despair and, everyone's getting so polarized and we're all coming together again as Bears fans and it's fun to kind of see happen over the past few days let's keep it this way and I just want to just keep moving forward and I'm looking forward to seeing what the schedule looks like and we can continue to get ourselves closer to this upcoming season I I hope this summer like we blink and it's over and we can get the training camp that's how excited I am right now but that's going to do it for our 2021 Chicago Bears draft coverage the fourth year the fifth year we've done this and I think it's my favorite I think so too well there's there's a lot of potential here and that's what makes it so great for sure but that's it rest up enjoy the rest of your weekend enjoy the early part of your next week and we'll be back soon with a schedule reaction episode and surely we're gonna have some more thoughts about this draft class after a few nights to kind of sleep and assess it but until then bear down chicago Bear down